Hello, I'm Angelina. And I'm Martin. And this is the CX Cast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CX Cast. Today, I have my co-host as my one of my guests, Martin. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you. And then you may remember Michelle. Michelle Beeson's back again to talk with me and Martin about an activity that they did together. Hey, Michelle. Hi. Okay, so let me start with the context of why I'm excited about this topic. I get a lot of questions from CX teams that run champions programs, CX teams that want to get stakeholders excited about CX, even vendor clients like consulting firms looking for new CX activities, want to bring CX to life, get everyone excited, engaged, and understand a little bit about research, about brand experience, about design. So you're coming to me with an activity here that hits on a lot of that, and I'm excited to dig in with you. Can you start, Martin, with the premise of creating this new CX activity that you call CX Safari? Yeah, CX Safari, which turned out to be a model of Citroen car from about 1970. So we kind of started with that. And our sales manager used to drive one, apparently. Yeah, it's not a car. (laughs) So yes, the concept was um, we were going to run a client event on a sunny summer afternoon in London. And we were going to put people in a hotel and present to them about value for customer and journeys and stuff like that. And it just occurred to us, hang on, there's a much more kind of visceral, hands-on interactive way we can demonstrate this content in a real world context rather than through PowerPoint and get people living and breathing it and experiencing it. So the kind of concept of the safari was born and we'll talk in detail about what we exactly did, but it was kind of mystery shopper, ethnographic research, and just kind of studying the brand experience about expectation of the brand and actual experience of the brand and identifying gaps. And we wanted to give people a tool that they could take to their companies and say, hey, we could just go and mystery shop at our bank branch or our travel agency or our you know, the experience on a train or a store or whatever it is you experience. And we built some digital content into it as well, which we'll talk about. So yeah, it was really, as you said, Angelina, about getting buy-in through experience about customer experience. Okay, Michelle, what do the participants need to know going into this activity? Was there like an upfront education you had to do to tee this off? There was. So we used our value for customer framework as a tool or a lens with which we could assess the experiences that everyone was going out and you know shopping and, and doing their exercises, which we'll get into. And that framework looks at value for customers across four areas. So about the dimensions of value are economic, functional, symbolic, and experiential. So for, for economic value, it is you know the price, the money. Functional value, it's how much does something meet your needs. Symbolic value relates more to elements of social impact or sustainability, those kind of aspects of value. And then experiential value is literally the, the experience, the, the interaction with the brand. The premise of it is value is a perception. It's not something that you can create. It's it's not inherent within a product or service. It is experience. It's a perception. And there's also a get and give. So in an experience, in an interaction, the value that a customer perceives will often be something that they gain 
in relation to something that they lose. So there might be, you know, high economic value, so the, the price is right, but actually their experiential value is low because the, the price is right because it's a budget chain of stores or, you know, it's not a luxury experience because you, you get the economic value. So that there's a, a give and get that has to happen. So we kind of set up this framework of this is how we think of value, those four dimensions, you know, what it means. And there we showed a radar chart. So when you're rating your experience of those different four dimensions of value, it's on a radar chart. So we had our participants do that at different stages of the, the mystery shop or the, the journey that, that we sent them on. That's a great concept to introduce. And actually, our listeners can go back to episode 252, where Maxi talks about how to measure value for customer. So you could think about, here's a way to introduce the basic concept in an immersive way, get them excited, and then eventually lead into the more complex competencies of CX. So, okay, so you teed it off. You gave that sort of foundational understanding. Also, where were you guys? Yeah, the location was kind of important about this because we were we were in a hotel opposite St. Pancras, King's Cross Station. So anybody in the UK will probably have traveled through there at some point. If you're not, they're big, big, big railway stations with big malls associated with them. Lots of retail, lots of outlets, high-end retail like Hamley's. Gucci, not, not Gucci, but I can't remember who's in St. Pancras. But Chanel. Chanel, thank you. I knew there's one of the luxury brands in there. So there's some, you know, some premium brands. Fortnum and Mason. That's the one, if you like your hampers. <laughs> so what it, it got us thinking, we need something quick. So what we need to be able to do is find some brands that have an app, download the app, find the store on the app, go to the store, interact with the store associate, ask them some awkward questions. What's the provenance of this item? Do you have it in gluten-free? Blah, blah, blah. And then buy the thing, pay for the thing, and experience the thing. And we pick coffee because we figure there's loads of coffee brands. There's high-end coffee brands. So there's a couple like Grind, which is a very artisan coffee outfit. There's L&N, E-L-N-N, or Ellen, I'm not sure how we pronounce it. But they claim to be London's most Instagrammable coffee brand. So you figure, okay, they've got something to offer us. Then there's Joe and the Juice, which is like smooth jazz while you drink your coffee. And Greg's, which if you're in the UK, you probably know Greg's. If you're not in the UK, it's kind of like Dunkin' Donuts is about the best example I've got as a comparison. Fast, you know what you're getting. It's pretty basic. It's pretty low cost. So we thought, let's send the different groups to these different brands because they're all located in the same place. And let's A, rate the expectations. What do you think you're going to get from Greg's? What do you think you're going to get from Grind? And then let's go and experience it and see if that experience matches what we actually expected. And let's look at where the gaps are. So at that point, we sent everybody over the road to St. Pancras, and we did actually get everybody back, which surprised me. We didn't lose anybody along the way. Oh, phew. That's great. I'm glad you didn't lose anyone. It's always a little nerve-wracking when you have an activity, you're trying to get a bunch of adults. Adults are really difficult to get to play night. Exactly. <laughs> Was there anything that kind of popped up where you had to figure out to make it a success? I don't know. I think from my point of view, the few things meant that this was something that was easier to try because we had a relatively small group just by design for who we invited for the CX part of our event. So what do we end up having, Martin? Like groups of- Yeah, four brands and groups of two. And I think we'd, we'd intended on having groups of maybe three or four, but in hindsight, actually pairs was the right answer, I think, because mm -hmm. it meant you had an observer and a doer at any one point in time. And when they came back, do you feel like they had hit the mark with the assignment? 
I think so. They were very into it. Could go either way, right? You could have people, you know, really interested, involved, and then some others that were like, oh, well, this is a nice excuse to go get a coffee. We'll just do it lip service. But actually, I think most everybody there was really talking about their experiences and what surprised them, even recommendations they'd want to take. One was, oh, for, for Greg's, it's very... As Martin said, it's kind of low budget. You kind of love it or hate it. Greg's has a lot of affection in the UK, but it is, you know, cheap as chips, as they say. You're not expecting quote unquote Instagrammable coffee like ELNM that literally had rose petals in one of them. But that group expected that their experiential value would be low, mm -hmm. but actually it ended up being high because the store associate that they were asking about the product, we gave them scenarios of, you know, ask what the ingredients is, or do they have gluten-free, or say you have an allergy, something like that. And apparently the store associate was really knowledgeable, happy to talk to them right up until there was a, a longer line and he had to kind of get back to supporting others. But they were pleasantly surprised with the level of service that they got, even though they didn't necessarily expect it from Greg's. And I think the, the feedback we got as well was challenging people to think about the four dimensions of value really made them think through a different lens. So when you're thinking about the symbolic value of shopping at a budget retail outlet or the experiential value, for instance, of being at a high-end brand, so a brand like ALNN that's really trying to position itself as Instagrammable, can they follow through on that? So they have a brand strategy and have a brand positioning, but does the experience fulfill on the, the kind of symbolic value and experiential value that go along with that? It came out to be a really interesting way of sense checking, are we getting it right? And doing a gap analysis of where we're getting it wrong. Yeah. And some interesting conversations about the context as well, because that's also very important for your evaluation of value that, you know, as they thought about it further, the context of these places being in a train station, what was the scenario of the consumer? Are they, you know, in a rush waiting for the train? Or do they have two hours because their train is delayed? And, you know, what do you really expect from a smaller format, Joe and the Juice or ELNN versus one that is on the high street and caters for kind of a normal, quote unquote, your average clientele interaction? them thinking about their respective organizations in terms of like a bank and their different branches and the context of the type of value that customers would experience. Yeah, were there any participants who had a vastly different industry they were in? Banks is a nice one because there's retail branches maybe. Anyone that was fully digital or, or mostly trying to solve for digital problems that still kind of thought the concept was helpful? Yeah, we did have... Most of the clients were retailers, which is not by design. It was kind of slightly by accident. So actually just picking a bunch of retail outlets worked. But they were grocers. So they were the big grocery retailers in the UK, which is quite different to coffee chains. But there was a couple of digital-only clients, and we included a digital part of the experience about download the app, work out whether you can order ahead, look at the ordering experience, look at the digital payment experience. So there was a bit of that. But I think even the concept of break the journey into stages, I mean, that's not a new concept for us, is it? But we don't always do it in that concrete way. Break the journey into, into sections and then look at the four dimensions of value at each section and then think about how you could use that. So for instance, if you were trying to use that as your own brand, put that in front of your executive team, send your contact center team out to go and buy some stuff and see what problems customers experience across these dimensions and use it as an empathy tool just to get your internal stakeholders thinking about the experiences in different kinds of ways. That's, that's helpful, I think. 
Yeah, and we had a few B2B organizations too that got value. They could see the application from the context of their customer interactions, even as, as businesses. So it did work. I have to ask the classic CX Pro question. Is there anything you would do differently next time? Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things. One is uh, we completely overestimated how much we could get done in the time. Yeah. So I would say do a floor walk. You know, we, we were literally over the road from the station. It still took us 10 minutes to get out of the hotel <laughs> over to the station, maybe 15 minutes. Just that, that it's a it's a time sink. The other big one for me is what Michelle was alluding to is I think if we did it again, I would preload personas and say, this is your persona. So you are, think of the context, like Michelle said, we're in, a, we're in a railway station. Your persona is commuter and you're in a rush. Mm-hmm. How does that context change your interaction with the brand? If the brand's taking ages, like one of the brands took a long time to get a receipt, for instance. So that's a, that's a problem. A different context would be you're a commuter, you're, you're going on holiday, your train's been delayed by two hours. You don't necessarily want fast transactional service. What you want is somewhere to sit and enjoy with some good music. So I think I'd give them some different personas to map on and think about how do we, how does value change depending on the context that you come to the store with? Yeah, definitely that, the timing and sparsing of it, you always think that you can do more than you can in the time because things actually just end up taking longer. Or in our case, the participants really got into having their little group discussions. And then we brought everyone together to kind of generally share their experiences and have a discussion back and forth. And that took more time than, than we expected, but was where the real interest, we kind of lost track of time and they, they included because that was where they had the most interest. But I think also if we had more time to have a piece where you think about how can you use this in your organization? Like, what would you do with those radar charts? Like doing gap analysis, putting metrics to this? Because there were some questions in the, the drink session we were having afterwards of this seems like something that would be useful, as Martin said, for, for my executives or for my team, but how can I then use it beyond just a, a fun exercise? I like the ideas that this gives. I mean, there's a lot of relevant iterations on this that you could do. And and like I said before, it's introducing a concept. Value for customer, you could get quite complex with how you want to think about measurement. So it's a nice introduction, nice activity. I, I would definitely say leaning into it as a engagement tool, you know, not necessarily, I, I don't think what we did is a really detailed customer journey map that uncovers every single nuance, every single journey. Mm. What it does do, though, I think if you if you took an executive team, if you know you've got some problems in a certain store format, for instance, or with a certain part of your customer journey, putting that value lens on it, putting your executive team in the, in the shoes of your customers and walking them through that experience and getting them to see what it's like for your customers is incredibly powerful. And it unlocks a whole load of different conversations you can have that a journey map stuck on a wall or a presentation just doesn't do. Yeah. And there was something nice about you're not just theoretically talking about it in a room, imagining yourself actually going out and doing it gave it a additional level of, yeah, a little bit of excitement and difference, bit of a bit of fun, but also you're putting the theory to practice in a more clear way. And Michelle, if our listeners want to do activities like this, can they reach out to you via guidance session, force or guidance session? Would you help kind of coach them through shaping this sort of activity? We certainly could do, yes, you know, especially with the value for customer framework, but also the ideas of how you would take this exercise and what objectives you'd have for the for the session, things like that. Awesome. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks. Well, thank you for letting me be a guest. <laughs> 
And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forester.com. As always, you can find us at forester.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights. Thank you.